Hello listeners and welcome to Talk to Touch, the weekly podcast where I discuss living an LGBTQ plus life to build a strong and united community because connection starts with open conversation. I am your host, Denver Shai. 28 days. That's how long I spent in a psychiatric unit under Section 25, the Mental Health Act of 1983 for observation. Why? Because on a sunny winter morning, about three days, three, four days before Christmas, I ploughed my BMW into a brick wall. I was unscathed externally. I didn't have any scars, any bruising, any injuries at all. But internally, I was really not in a good place. I was scarred. I was broken. I was desperate. I was angry. But when I went into the psychiatric unit, I met some of the most funniest people you could ever hope to meet. They were just brilliant. We cried, we laughed, we chatted until the stupid hours. And it was great. I really had one of the most interesting experiences of my life. And I will never forget it. However, it was good in the sense that it brought me to a place where I could reassess where I was, where I was going and what I was doing. We've all had crappy experiences, and yes, that was mine. Some of us have been bullied for being too tall, too short, for having red hair, for having brown skin, for having dyslexia, for being queer. There's so many reasons that we've had some awful experiences. Many of us will ask, what is this all about? What is the point? And when we start asking that question, I just think it's time that we started to pivot. I know for me, something had to change, not just because I'd ended up in that psychiatric unit for 28 days, but because I was tired of living a life that made me miserable. And I was miserable. I was tired of feeling that I was unworthy and I was sick to death of feeling powerless, like I had no control over my life, as though there was nothing I could do to change anything. And I would say that's probably the point I had my aha moment. That point is when I realised my biggest struggle was learning to love the person that I saw in the mirror. And the lies that I had been told over the years had become so ingrained that I didn't even realise that I was living those lies. I just didn't believe that I was worthy of anything. I didn't believe that I would amount to anything. I had such awful experiences at school, which I know so many of us have experienced. Being bullied by teachers and students, horrible experiences in church, and we're not even going to go there. Society's structure telling me that as a woman with brown skin and being queer, you know, there really isn't a lot of hope for me. And when you are constantly fed things that are said and unsaid, you do begin to absorb it into your skin, into your psyche, into your bones, and you start living that. And that is where I was. It was then, at that point, I understood I needed to work on that because it's difficult to move forward if you do not love who you are, who you see in the mirror every single day. I also knew if I relied on others to lift me up, I would be waiting a long time. If I was expecting other people to make me feel better about who I was 
and what I could achieve, where I could go in life, how I could grow, then it was never going to happen. The only person that could do anything about that was me. It's great when you have a support network and I would absolutely advocate that because when I came out of hospital, I almost went back in. I will not mention her name, but she was the one who actually stopped me from going back in. She suffered from bipolar. The situation she was in was really difficult, really challenging, and her life was no longer her own. She was now a ward, almost a ward of the state, really. But when I phoned up and told her I was coming back, she gave me such a bollocking over the phone. I cannot, I will not tell you what she said, but she laid into me. And because of her, I didn't go back in. I decided to hang, hold out for another, probably I thought, well, I'm just going to see how I get on. I'll see how I get on. And I didn't go back. That was because this friend, the person I had met in this psychiatric unit, she put her foot down and she set me straight. She said things to me that were hard, but I knew she was saying them to me because she cared. And so having a really strong network of people is absolutely important and vital. But ultimately, the only person that can get you where you want to be is you. That was the one thing I needed to learn and I had to do something about that. I needed to unlearn all the lies that I had been told over the years about who I was and what I could achieve and what I could become. I had to pivot. I had to learn to pivot. I had to learn how to strengthen my own resilience to become stronger. There were several things that I did. I always remember there was an article in a magazine. It was a teeny little piece in this magazine while I was in hospital. And it talked about exercise, talked about how it built your endorphins. And I, at that time, I still remember I didn't take much notice of that article. But after the phone call with my friend who was still in hospital, the article came to mind and... I remember thinking, right, okay, I will try anything at this point because I was so low, so so desperate. I was even homeless at one point. And I still remember when I got my council flat, I was on something like, if I remember rightly, it was something like £72 a fortnight. I remembered that article and I thought, okay, and I decided to go swimming. Now, I don't like swimming, not a fan, but I went swimming every morning. 7am, as soon as it opened, I would go swimming, 7 o'clock in the morning. I knew that would give me something to look forward to. That gave me one thing in that day that I could do. I also started doing yoga because I knew if I didn't do anything, then things couldn't get better because I'm just doing the same thing that had led me to the point where I was at that time to college and I did A-levels. I think I did my A-level English. When I left school, it was CSEs, I think. I made conscious choices about what I ate. I decided I would stop eating the foods that had caused me to put on so much weight. I think at that point I was about 16 and a half stone. I think I'm about 12 stone now, but I was about 16 and a half stone at that time. And I started getting up at 5am. Now that wasn't very difficult considering I wasn't sleeping well anyway. So about three hours sleep a night. And I also went back to the one thing that I thoroughly enjoyed that I hadn't done for 
a while and that was reading and I know that may sound really boring to some people but I love books I absolutely love books and I uh, renewed my library card and I would go in and I would get several books and it was something it gave me something to do during the day so I had my exercise I was changing what I ate I would go for walks and I was reading it was something But above all, I would say I began to learn if there was any change, any single change I needed to make, it was how I spoke to myself. It was the things I was saying consciously and unconsciously. Most of us know what it's like. We're saying things and we have no awareness really of what we're actually saying and repeating to ourselves. Calling ourselves idiots or saying, oh, how dumb, how stupid. But all that's happening is those words are layering on top of all those toxic words that have been spoken to us in the past. But the difference is we're actually repeating it and saying them to ourselves. And it's not easy. I mean, but the breakdown was harder. No, it's not easy getting up at five in the morning. But when I think about what I can achieve by getting up earlier and having a routine, having a project, having something to aim for, I see that actually I achieve much more than if I just stayed in bed. Because yeah, it's lovely and warm and cosy, especially when it's winter. But I know I'm going to be far happier taking the steps that are a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. I have looked at people who have achieved so much and I think, how did they do that? Well, they did the things that were uncomfortable, the things that most people won't. But I know for me, going into hospital, that whole experience with the car, that whole period of my life is not something I care to repeat. I will do what it takes to make sure it never happens again. So why do I share this story? It's not easy to share a story that's this uncomfortable because the moment people discover you've been in a psychiatric hospital, they never quite see you the same. But the fact is, that doesn't matter. It's how you see yourself, which is going back to the point about the words you speak, the things you say to yourself, even when you're on your own in those quiet moments. But actually, above all, the reason I share this story is so that for those of you that do experience depression, that have had those moments where you just think, what is the point of it all? and you don't know if you can climb out of those depths, I want you to know that you can and that it's possible, but it does require work. It does take time. And as queer people, we really do need to build that extra layer of resilience because we do meet resistance, perhaps more than others. You know, we do find that we struggle in certain areas of life because of who we are, because of our queerness and people don't always appreciate and see the beauty in that. So when it comes to building your resilience against those times that are hard so that you keep getting up when it's difficult, I would say it's repetition. It's the only thing that has kept me going is having that repetition, getting up early, reading more, choosing to learn and educate in a skill or a knowledge or a thing that I don't know anything about, to expand my mind, to change my life direction, to give myself other opportunities that people would have said was not possible for me. The teachers I had at school, 
if they knew I was at university now, I think they'd fall over because they believed I wasn't good enough for anything. Had I continued to believe that, I wouldn't be at university now. You hear the stories where people have been told by school that they're never going to amount to anything and they just absorb it their whole life and their life remains the same. I do count myself fortunate because I was so determined never to let that situation arise in my life again that I took the painful steps to move forward. I suppose you could say, you know, is it something that everybody can do? I would like to think so, but everyone's circumstances and situation is different. And it's not because I'm stronger. It isn't that at all. But it was just too damn painful to be where I was. When I look at where I've been, when I think about some of my experiences, I am shocked that I am still here. I am shocked that I am at university, that I'm able to get up and keep going every single day because it's been bloody hard. It's been... Some experiences have been traumatic, they've been painful, it's like a thousand cuts every day. But I know that there is more in me and I was determined to find that. I was determined to make sure that I got myself up and kept going because no one else was going to do that for me. I had to make the effort and I knew the moment I started to move myself forward and make that effort, then that helped. And that support would come and it would be there for me. And it has. I've just met some of the most amazing people that have really encouraged me and inspired me and who I've been able to do that for in return. So how do you build your strength and your resilience? How do you become resilient when things are tough? It requires effort every single day. And I do believe it's a lifelong thing. I don't think for a moment that you can do something for a short period of time that requires a character change and think that that's it. It's all over and done with. You don't have to keep trying. I know it wouldn't take me any time at all to go back to my old eating habits. Now, I I didn't buy fast food. I, I wasn't a, a junk food eater. I wasn't, you wouldn't catch me buying a kebab. Never going to happen. But I did bake a lot. I loved making shortbread biscuits. Can't even tell you how much butter I would go through in a week. And then I would make rice puddings and steam puddings and crumbles and cakes. Oh my God. It was, I look back, it was pretty crazy, pretty crazy. And I absolutely loved it, but my body didn't. And I had to make those changes. So I know it is a lifelong thing because those grooves I have created in my brain for years. Now, rewiring and making those changes, is just a lifelong change. It's something that I have to do. So for you, I would say, find something that you would like to change and take a step, take a simple step and focus on that thing. Don't try and change everything because it's too much when you're trying to change your job and your health and your hobbies. You can't do too much at once. It can be overwhelming. So pick one thing. And even when you fall over, because you will, even when you fall over, you can kick, scream, cry, eat cake, but get back up and go again And the more you do it, 
you will find that you will fall less and less. One day you will look back and think, I can't remember the last time I went back to my old habits. It will get better, but you have to be determined to keep going. It just depends on how painful things were for you. For me, they were bad. And I wasn't going to go back. So those are the changes that I absolutely had to make. So I would say to you, just pick that one thing that you want to use to make that change. And don't think about it. Say, for example, you chose the 5am club. Don't think of it as losing an extra hour's sleep. Look at it as what you're gaining. You're now gaining time to spend. Perhaps you want to write a novel. Perhaps you are studying. You want to improve your health. So you're going to go jogging early in the morning or go swimming early or go to the gym, whatever it is you choose to do. But make it something that's about your growth, about creating resilience for you so that when the tough times hit, you have an anchor. You've got something that you can hold on to to keep going. And when you look back, you can see how much stronger you have become because it's easy to do the things that require very little effort. It's easy to sit in front of the TV and watch Netflix and binge watch, I don't know, Breaking Bad. It's so easy to do, but it's harder to get up early. But the results are great. They absolutely are. And if you know anyone who gets up at five or six, ask them how that has changed their life. Ask them what difference has it made to them? How has that improved things for them? There's someone I know who's very close to me who gets up at five o'clock because it's the only time that they could get up and do their exercises. Now, I'm telling you, this individual is, oh God, fitness is just incredible, absolutely amazing and have been able to enter competitions. Uh, They just look fantastic People do say, oh my God, you look so good. I wish I looked like that. Welcome and join me at five o'clock. She's not had anyone join her at 5am yet, yet they still would like to look like she does. Their lives are very similar, but they're not willing to put in the kind of time that she does. Now it is about finding the thing that's right for you. And it's a very personal choice and decision. But when you do, don't think about what you lose. Oh, I'm losing that extra hour in bed but think about the things that you will gain. That brings me to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope this episode brought you value and was beneficial to you. If so, share it with someone that you think might appreciate hearing what I shared today. As always, thank you for listening to Talk to Touch. If you enjoy this show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and tune in for new episodes every Monday. Until then... I am Denver Shy, and don't forget, connection starts with open conversation.